Morning, John. How you doing? Good, Brian. Good morning to you, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. I just heard some awesome news. Chili's, the restaurant group, is bringing back their baby back ribs commercials. Wow, you're coming That's, in hot with that one this morning. I, it's a hot take. <laughs> and even better than that, they uh, are bringing that damn song. The damn song's already in my head. Thank you. <laughs> you won't get rid of it. And even better, Voice to Men is in the commercial singing the song, who people have long thought the song was built around. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This so all, was, this is all news to me and fascinating news at that. So go look that up. That was that was really <laughs> a fun way to wake up this morning. Well, uh, I'm glad you've had such a good start to your day. Mine has been a little bit more discombobulated, including switching to what might be a crappy microphone. I'm not sure. So we'll see. We'll see how that comes out. One other element about that commercial that I really like that I think you're going to really love is the amount of snaps that they put into oh. the new Chili's Baby Back Ribs commercial. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So uh, the snap attack is uh, is really high in that one. Let's get started. Right on. Giddy up. But let's get right into our first snap decision. John, I've been reading a lot lately about direct-to-consumer brands and kind of where they're at and actually where they're not at. There's been a lot of investment in in these types of brands the last several years. We've seen them all over the place with Dollar Shave Club. Oh, yeah. Blue Apron. Casper and, Mattresses. Yeah, Casper. All these brands. And unfortunately, they've been extremely overvalued. And I was reading an article in Fast Company this week uh, that really talked about how they're almost becoming zombie brands where they exist in name only and and what's behind them is not anywhere near what their original purpose was and, and, and the way that they operate has kind of been hollowed out. And that really was an interesting look at where they're at in the marketplace now and how investment companies have overinvested in this. So, so Brian, when you say zombie brands, is that referring to like a brand that, that previously was something different and now is a direct to consumer or, or, or tell me more about what that means. So that means that they still exist sort of, they exist in name only, but the operations behind it is completely different. So in the case of Blue Apron, who was really going down a path of like, like sourcing their own food and bringing a whole sustainability lens to the type of food prep that they, um, yeah, to the consumer directly and kind of cutting out the middleman. They're now operating in a completely different way where they're, they're not even sourcing their own food anymore and they're outsourcing the food itself and more focusing on recipes and marketing and kind of leveraging their name and not the way that they operate which is really interesting. Should I think of the example of Bed Bath & Beyond, kind of after going bankrupt and being bought by Overstock, no longer has stores. Well, there are stores. There are big, empty husks of stores out there that you drive by. But now the brand is still existing online, but run by Overstock as an e-commerce brand. Is that a relevant example to what you're talking about here? In a way, yeah. And, uh, you know, another example is is Converse, who was bought by Nike. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. Converse name still has some some play, but it's run completely by Nike, which was a former competitor. So got it. You know, they still they still operate, but not, you know not in the same way, or in this case through a, a, an entirely different operator. Another example is a, is a company called Authentic Brands Group, which really picks up and owns these types of companies that go bankrupt and and owns the, the licensing and IP behind it. And, and then they they farm out other people to do the, the retail part. And then they just kind of use the marketing purposes, which is you know, just fascinating to me. And another direct-to-consumer brand that's kind of faltering right now that was overvalued is is Allbirds, which was kind of a darling a few years ago and, and is kind of falling on hard times as well. And, and so, so my snap decision for you is 
Will this impact how people bring products to consumers moving forward? Are brands overestimating who they are and, and what they want to be? And what do you think about that? I think most brands overestimate what they, what they want to be. Yeah, I, I do think that there are an awful lot of brands. I mean, the, the examples you've just shared, there, there are a ton of them where a brand kind of peaked, you know, had its run and then went into some sort of lull or bankruptcy or something. But there's still some combination of IP and consumer enthusiasm or, you know, emotion tied to it. So, you know, I, I think about, I mean, the one that kind of jumps into my mind from a while ago, and it's a little different from the direct to consumer piece you're talking about, but Abercrombie and Fitch, which I, I didn't even realize when it kind of became a team brand in the 90s. Yeah. That was a total reinvention. And I think it's second reinvention, right? It lived for like, I think almost a century as a true hardcore outdoor outfitter, right? There was like hunting gear and fishing gear and like legit <laughs> stuff. And then I think fell in hard times, did get reinvented as a direct consumer brand, I think, as like a mail order, but still in the hunting thing. So they kind of like took their core, woke it back up later, you know, direct consumer yeah. to back in the catalog days. And then went completely into the shadows until someone who I don't even know who, but eventually ended up as part of the limited group brand, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. yeah. But there was some brand awareness and provenance, I guess, around Abercrombie and Fitch that someone turned into a teen brand, a teen fashion brand. Kind of wild yeah. how, how that one just totally got reinvented, which is a little different from what way I think some of these brands get restored, which is to really go back to their core, what they stood for. But I think that that is increasingly a, a hard proposition. I think usually these brands got to kind of reinvent themselves. Yeah. You know, the direct to consumer model is fascinating just in the fact that you know, you're cutting out the retail stores and you're yeah. able to really just build a relationship with the consumer directly and, and not rely on placement in those places, basically rely on, on everybody else to do your work for you. But you know, that, that costs a lot more money to do it that way. Yeah, money. Money, a big part of the formula, right? I have a lot of things, right? Yeah. You know, think about your Converse example, which is a great one. I, I don't know how much they faded before Nike bought them, but I, I think they're, they've kind of become a little bit irrelevant. Nike really leaned into that as an old school, cool brand, right? But, but it's Nike. So, you know, there was a combination of, and I think this maybe is maybe a formula that others will have followed and can follow, which is like smart marketing, right? Nike's known for that. Plenty of dollars and nostalgia. You know, I think, right. I think you put those things together and you got a chance at a, a good revival. And I think that's when a company like Authentic Brands Group is, is snatching up some of these bankrupt brands. I think that's what they're, they're really trying to get people to hang on that, that nostalgia. I feel like if you don't have that kind of nostalgia or some sort of strong brand connection with the, you know, strong brand position in the consumer's head, trying to restore an old brand is probably just like building a new one. The interesting thing was the Dollar Shave Club, which had really a, a model that our mission that struck at people was the, you know, shaving became such an expensive thing to, to shave in a, in a really more efficient way. So they, they were able to build a lot of, of equity in, in the, in the marketplace, but, uh, and then Unilever bought them and then Unilever is kind of spinning them off because, you know, I, I guess they couldn't make the type of money that, you know, targeted to make or whatever, but. Yeah. Well, it, it's hard to live up to the expectations that get created when you be, are viral out of the gates, right? Which is really how Dollar Shave Club burst on the scene. And that amazing yeah. viral launch ad with the founder. Yeah. Tried to recreate it, you know, a, another version a couple of years later or a year later, but I don't think they ever tapped into the virality they launched with. And I'm going to guess they were fairly, yes. This is speculation. They were probably fairly overvalued based on a really strong market presence that came from something that's kind of hard to, it's hard to recreate a viral ad.
It's like the thing that they always say at, at marketing conferences when, when you get the brief and it's like, you know, I want to, how do I go viral? Yeah. Crazy on viral. Oh, crazy. sure. We'll just sure let, me, let me just do that. There's a formula. We'll just follow There's it. a formula. Uh, we're just going to go viral and then we'll go from there. Speaking of brands that shifted, uh, there's one really interesting uh, today. You know, it's fascinating to hear the shift of Abercrombie. But what about Stanley? Teenagers are are, are bringing them to school every single day and all of them have it. And they all um, are carrying it around everywhere they go. So talk about a shift from, you know, you talk about Abercrombie, a shift from hunting to teens. Stanley's kind of doing the same thing. Well, educate me. I don't know. I don't know what the, the teen affiliation to Stanley is. What, 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 are, we, what are we carrying? Well, the, the drink mugs. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. I did hear about this. Yeah. So, um, and especially, I, I especially teen girls. Am I am I correct in that? That is that's absolutely correct. Fascinating. And so I think consumers went through the Yeti phase, and and now it, we're in the Stanley phase. Yeah. So that's kind of fascinating because that's you know always been construction worker kind of brand and hat type of thing. And now uh, you have teenage girls. So maybe, maybe more weekend warrior than, than hard hat, but, but either way, uh, uh, certainly a shift. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, what do you got for me? All right. So uh, I did not prepare a thoughtful, well-investigated topic, like your, your direct to consumer brand and zombie brand conversation, but I did put together a uh, snap decisions, lightning round, extremely ill-informed edition. Um, Tell them more. Yeah, I think maybe it's a new segment, you know, because we're, what, three episodes in here. Why not have another segment? Um, <laughs> this, this is top of mind, man. Just I want real-time reactions to some questions I'm going to post to you. Some are really important and some are not. Oh, great. Put me in the hot seat. Exactly. Not, none of them are really important. And by the way, uh, feel free to rename this segment from the Snap Decisions Lightning Round Extremely Ill-Informed Edition because that's a little clunky. All right, you ready? Let's do it. Let's start simple. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Clever headlines or super strong call to action buttons? I'm going to go call to action buttons. I knew you would. Is it ever okay to serve a breakfast sandwich on an untoasted English muffin? No. Thank you. That That's the first, that's the only question with a right or wrong. And you're correct. It is never okay. okay. There, yeah. this, is a, this is an all judgment zone. Yeah. There's a, there's a story behind this, but it's boring, but it suffice to say it, it had me, um, at a granola level of anxiety. Yes, yes. I could see, I could feel the grumpiness there. That's good. Uh, yeah. Um, hey, who can, who consistently, consistently over time, out, uh, two decades, over the past two decades, turns out the best advertising, Nike or Apple? Apple. Ooh, didn't even hesitate. Tomorrow morning, Brian, aliens arrive and install a new worldwide government. Jeez, I'm scared. <laughs> Gets weirder. Where they're are you going? going? To, they're going to outlaw either beer or bourbon i'm not sure why but they're an alien race and really intelligent so they must have a reason they're going to outline either beer or bourbon which one of those upsets you the most oh man that's a good one i need to eliminate beer so i, I don't want them to take away the bourbon oh okay all right I, I didn't expect that okay i mean all right i don't want i don't want them to get rid of either but uh, I, I will I'll only do one more. Um, driving your own car forever or eventually being a passenger in an autonomous car. Oh, you got to drive your own car forever. I mean, this is ridiculous. Oh, wow. All right. Okay. All right. It's all we, about well, that's a loss of control there. Okay. Loss of control or the glory of sitting in a small living room doing whatever you want while you are effortlessly and safely escorted to your destination, perhaps while drinking bourbon. I mean, come on, Brian. I support the the evolution of how we get from A to Z. I just don't know how I'm going to, you know, 
easily give up the control there. But yes, we do need to do that. And uh, I've been fascinated by the autonomous driving thing. I just, I don't know how I'm going to sit in the car and, and go with yeah. it. Give me a lot more bourbon and I'll be all right. All right. This feels like a future episode, actually, because I remember you and I had a similar kind of mind blown reaction watching the Waymo self-driving Jaguars driving around uh, San Francisco about a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Which Mind boggling. Uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I have more, but I'll save them. Maybe, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Do more lightning round after you give yeah. it a good name. All right. Well, um, I, I like it. Thanks for uh, thanks for the new segment. I think I, I think we go from that one to a uh, to a regular one. Oh, so, a regular and extremely popular, uh, damn near viral segment. Get me viral. All right. So, John, uh, in this week's hopelessly unattainable guest, uh, you I'm got. Gonna, we're, uh, I'm going to go for Michael Jordan. Ooh. So we've had Tim Cook last week. You uh, desperately pleaded for Taylor Swift to join the show. I'm going to go with MJ. And remember, these are moonshots. These are people that might take a little more effort to get on the show than somebody just, that's willing to sit down and talk to podcast legends like you and I. But um, just just a little harder a little to get. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. So this is my plea to Michael Jordan to come and join our show. I, I have a lot of respect for this guy and who wouldn't want to sit down with MJ, right? So let's see. Let's see if this does a trick. Okay. You ready? Let's do it. Oh, there's a plea. Let's hear the plea. All right. Hello, Michael. Can I call you Mike? You're a legend, a hero to all, an inspiration for following and achieving your dreams. But for me, you terrified my youth. Your bulls always killed my Sixers. We stood no chance. Everyone wore your jersey, walked in your shoes, worshipped your every move. I hated it. You were better than us. Better than me. Six championships. My team still hasn't won since 1983. But let's make amends. I'm not bitter. We'd love to have you on Snap Decisions, a new podcast where we discuss and break down the past and blockers in life. I'm over my childish feelings. We want to learn about your journey. We can talk about your gold medals, your scoring titles, your critical acclaim. Nike, the riveting Last Dance documentary, how you became a billionaire, but also May 12th, 1991. My dad and I had tickets to game four of the Eastern Conference semifinals with family friends against your bulls. But we could never find those friends outside the spectrum when we tried to meet up. There were no cell phones back then, of course. After 40 minutes, we gave up and drove away. My dad bought me ice cream as I cried the whole way home. You beat us by 16 and closed out the series two days later. It's all right. It's fine. I'm over it. I really want to hear about you and your ever-thriving Jordan brand and the impact you've had on kids all over the world. And Charles Barkley, couldn't he just figure out how to beat you? Did it really have to be that hard? I guess we'll never know. But let's talk. I promise a stable and prominent stage with an objective lens. You won't regret it. Sincerely, Snap Decisions. Wow. Thanks. You think he's going to... If, if, if he hears the lingering resentment and bitterness in your voice the way I do... Yeah. I mean, I know you said you've, you're over it. You didn't sound even remotely over it. That's you really went to a playoff game and you, you, you couldn't meet up with people that had your tickets. Is that what happened? That's what happened. Good God. It was devastating. Yeah. You think? Yeah. We, uh, wow. my dad heard that we were going to meet at a, at a punter statue that the, that was outside veteran stadium, which is, I remember uh, the punter statue. Oh, yeah. Veteran stadium was right across the street from the spectrum. And, uh, it was behind the veteran stadium, which, you know, it was kind of far away from the spectrum. I don't know why we thought we were going to meet there, but apparently, uh, our friends were waiting on the steps of the spectrum for us the whole time. Wow. And, and that was that. And so we, you, they you, showed up. They, did you remain friends with those people? They did end up taking us to a game a couple, a couple of years later when Barkley was on the Suns and he came back to play the Sixers and course the Sixers lost that game too but uh no. it's all good 
Well, so, look, let me answer your question. Yes, I think MJ, we got a shot at MJ. We land either Tim Cook or Taylor Swift. I think he, I, I feel like as, as, as pioneering and trailblazing as Michael Jordan is and was, I, I think he's going to need that credibility. So we got to, we got to land uh, that kind of A-lister, that moonshot to get him to say yes. Yeah. So what is our, who's our, who's, who's our best shot so far out of our, all of our hopelessly unattainable guests? Is it Tim Cook? Is it Taylor Swift or is it Michael Jordan? Well, I mean, we're approaching a 0% chance on all of them. So it's probably a dead heat. <laughs> neck and neck to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Underline hopelessly unattainable. All right. right. I'm not, I'm looking at poop. You get one stuff starts falling into place. You never know. I like your attitude. It's good. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming loaded for bear with your, uh, with your, uh, your hopelessly unattainable guest and your, your, your brand conversation. Always a pleasure. Before we go, should we tease the next guest or not? Yeah. Why don't you, uh, go for it. Okay. I'll leave it at this. This guy's basically the Michael Jordan of Paralympics game. How about that? I like it. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Elliot there. Can't wait to see where we go with on that. The, on the next episode of Snap Decisions. Chili, baby. Back <laughs> <laughs> Screw you. See ya. <laughs>